Each week throughout our Known series, we've looked at stories in Mark's Gospel that give us answers to this important question, who is this man? And what we've seen is that Jesus is a man who has total authority over the demonic world, and we saw that Jesus is a man who has ultimate authority over life and death, and last week we saw that Jesus is also a man who has power over the sicknesses that plague our bodies, and this week's story will be no different. This week we will read about another time in Jesus' life when his actions give us another powerful answer to the pressing question, who is this man? And what an answer it is. And yet, as we have seen in every other week of our series, even as we are confronted by Jesus' power and his authority, we will also once again see that Jesus' interactions are always overflowing with his intimate knowledge of each individual he encounters. Mark will show us in today's passage that Jesus is well aware of what is best for this man. And I believe we still have this passage today to tell us that Jesus also knows what is best for you and for me. Today's story will once again show us that Jesus, this powerful and authoritative man, knows each of us through and through. We can be certain that we are known by Jesus. Today is the final week in our four-week known series, and it's been our look at four separate moments in the life of Jesus that are all found in the book of Mark. And I think I can say with great confidence that the first three passages that we looked at in the series have all pointed to one important truth, and it's this, that Jesus while he is a man of great power and authority, he's also someone who knows and loves each of us. Now, these passages have all shown us that we are known by Jesus. And the passage that we look at today will also emphasize the same truth as I said in the video. In fact, if I had been told that I was only gonna have one week to talk about each of us being known intimately by Jesus, today's passage is the passage that I would have chosen. And I don't say this to downplay the other three passages that we've already looked at in the series. They were all remarkable pictures of Jesus' awareness of the details and the circumstances of our lives. But today's passage well, here, why don't we just get right to it? Let's all just turn right to it, and I'll show you why I feel so strongly about today's passage. It's Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. You'll find it on page 836 if you're using the House Bible. And while you're looking this up, I want to welcome everyone that's online today. We're so glad you're with us. And I'd like to pray for us before we get into the Word here. So would you just pray with me with, for just a moment? Father... I am so thankful for this passage. I pray that it will, um, that you will speak through me, that I will disappear into the background and that your spirit will speak to each heart here and all those who are watching online. 
We thank you for your deep love for us and for how this passage speaks directly to your knowledge of us as individuals. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just as a reminder, the three passages that we looked at during the first three weeks of this series were all events that happened on the very same day, in fact, just a few hours, in just a, a window of just a few hours. And that in and of itself is remarkable because of all that happened in those three passages. Today's passage happened sometime after that amazing day. Just how long after, we don't know, but what we do know is that everything that Mark tells us in his book about Jesus between that extraordinary day when Jesus freed the man of the legion of demons and when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead and when he healed the woman who had suffered, of, suffered bleeding for 12 years, everything that we learn in the verses that separate that day in the book until we get to today's passage is all purposed to answer that big question that, I, that we keep bringing up and this, and the disciples are the ones that asked the question. They asked the question on that day when Jesus was in a boat and a storm came up and through just two word, a two-word command, he had stopped a raging storm and the disciples looked at each other and they said, who is this man? And if you take the time to read everything that happens from that moment in the storm, which by the way, they were, that's the same day as he did all the other stuff as well. So you go from that point up to where we are in chapter seven. And here's what you find. Those verses all tell us that Jesus is a man who control, can control all spiritual forces, that Jesus can control all the natural forces in the world, that Jesus is a man who can heal our broken bodies, he's a man who can raise the dead, he is someone who can multiply food and he can walk on water, and he's even somebody who speaks authoritatively for God, and yet, and here's the, what is extraordinary about these passages. They all also show us that Jesus is a man who even with all of this power and authority cares deeply about each and every individual he encounters. And so knowing all of that stuff, we get to these verses and it starts in verse 31 and we read, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon and before and before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. Now, I just want to stop there and say that I could tell you a great deal about this geographical information. We don't have time for that. But what I will tell you is this. Jesus going from Tyre, and I wish I had to put a map up, but I forgot to give the guys a map. But anyway, going from Tyre to Sidon, that's up north of, of Galilee, and he's traveling, and then he, it says, and then back down the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Ten Towns. This is a very odd journey. From all that we can tell from history and archaeology, there was, this was a journey that was completely made up of rough, rugged, mountainous trails. There were no roads at the time that would allow you to follow this route. All I can think of is this, that Jesus had been in huge crowds 
in those other stories that we talked about earlier. And he had a sense that he was going to go back into huge crowds, and he wanted to have as much time as he could alone with his disciples. So he chose to travel by the back trails through the mountains. And when this rocky journey ended, they're right back in the exact same place. Mark calls it the Ten Towns, or Decapolis is what it was called then. It's the exact same place where Jesus had encountered that man with the legion of demons in him. It's a Gentile area. Most of the people that live there are not Jewish. And Maron talked about that in the first week of our series. And so the people in this area had some notions about Jesus. They knew he could do some powerful things. I think this is why we read in verse 32 that a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on him to heal him. Now, I want to say that the Greek word that Mark uses to describe this man's speech impediment, it is megilalos. And megilalos is a very unusual Greek word. We only find it twice in the Bible, once in the Greek version of the Old Testament in Isaiah, and then here in this story in the New Testament. And what Megilalos means is horrible. This man wasn't mute. It wasn't that he couldn't speak. The word means that he has, a person has a speech impediment that is so profound that no one can ever understand anything they ever say. And to make matters worse, the Greek implies that the man was not born deaf. He could hear at one time, but he couldn't speak in any manner to be understood. And then, later in life, something happened, and he went completely deaf. Now, this is a terrible situation. Now, it is true that deaf people were protected under Jewish law. They were not uh, considered unclean and thrown in with the batches of people who had disabilities, they could go to the temple. They wouldn't have been able to hear what was going on, but they were allowed to go to the temple. But they were classified um, uh, with, along with, now I hate to tell you this list, but it's just the truth. They were classified along with women, slaves, minors, and imbeciles as people who were not capable of being educated enough to keep the law. And I, I find the circumstances of this man's life just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. But there is one bright spot here. There was a group of people, who they are we don't know, but there was a group of people, and I'm, this is Tim's guess, I'm guessing 
that they had probably heard about Jesus's healing power from the man who had been delivered from the legion of demons because that's what Jesus told him to do, go out and tell everybody in the community. And my bet that these people had heard his story and so they cared enough about this poor man to bring him to Jesus. But what Jesus does next is completely unexpected. It says this in verse 33, Jesus led him away from the crowd so that they could be alone. The Greek literally says, he took him away from the crowd privately. This is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus ever takes someone off to be alone with them when he's going to deal with them. This is the only time he stages that movement away. And I think there are a couple of reasons why Jesus uh, did this, and they all point to Jesus' compassion for this man in the moment. First, my bet is that no one had given this man any direct personal attention for a long time. He was an imbecile. And Jesus was so moved by this, his tragic situation that he wanted to make certain that this man knew that he had Jesus's complete attention, something no one had probably given him for a long time. And I'm sure that Jesus had gently taken him by the hand or by the arm and led him off to this private place And secondly, this man probably had no idea who Jesus was at all. He couldn't hear anything. He couldn't hear what the people were even asking of Jesus, and he couldn't ask any questions on his own because nobody would understand him. He didn't have, my thought is that he didn't have any idea what was going on, and Jesus wanted to make sure that this man was comfortable with him, and the only way to do this was to get him off in a place where there wasn't all the hubbub, where he could look him in the eyes, and where he could settle him down if he had any fears, and he could let him know that he was safe with Jesus. Next we read, says, he put his fingers into the man's ears. Now, it was common for first century healers to touch the part of a body that they were trying to heal. And I'm sure that there had been many times in his life, this, this man's life, where some healers had put their fingers in his ears in failed attempts to heal him. I'm sure this was not the first time this had happened. And Jesus, by putting his fingers in this man's ears, he was not giving us a template for how we go about healing deaf people. What he was doing was he was, he couldn't tell the man what he was doing, so he just gently put his fingers on his ears to let him know that he knew exactly what needed to be healed. And then we read, then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Now, last week I talked about the fact that people in the ancient world thought that a healer's power was not only resident in their body, but that it was in their clothes, their bodily fluids, and their shadows. 
And again, I'm certain that many other healers had touched, spit on their own fingers and tried to touch this man's tongue in failed attempts to heal him. I am certain that this was not the first time this had happened. But Jesus, again, did this not to show us how we go about healing people with speech impediments, but to let that man know that he knew exactly what part of his body he would want healed. And then we read, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephaphatha, which means be opened. Now, this is just my thought, but it says Jesus looked up to heaven. And I don't want to overwhelm you with Greek stuff today, but this, normally Greek, heaven in the Bible is always in the plural, the heavens. This is one place that is articulated and in singular. And I think it's, it says the heaven, as in the space where God lives. And my thought is this, that Jesus was looking up at his father, knowing that his father was looking down at him, and they were both on the same page that we need to do something about this one. This is not the way our world is supposed to be. And then when we read, he says, he sighed. The Greek that our house Bible translates as he sighed is actually a much stronger word than just somebody simply sighing. Uh, the word is uh, stenazo. It's a strong emotional Greek word, very rarely used because we don't do this very often. We don't very often groan deeply from our inner being. It's a word that's used to represent the letting out of the deepest of emotional feelings. And I can't imagine all that Jesus was feeling in the moment. He'd looked into the eyes of a man who'd been lumped in with imbeciles, and he'd touched the ears and tongue of a man whose deafness and speech had isolated him from almost everyone and everything in life. And my thought is that that deep groaning was a compassionate expression of Jesus about how sad he was that there had to be people who innocently suffer in this manner in our world. And then Jesus said to the man, actually says it to his ears and tongue. He says, Ephaphatha. And Mark tells us what that word means. He says, which means be opened. And the reason that he tells us what it means is because Mark's first readers were from Rome. They, he wrote this book for Romans, and they spoke Latin or Greek. They did not speak Aramaic, and Ephaphatha is a, an Aramaic word, which means be opened. And what Mark didn't want anybody to think was that Ephaphatha was some magic word that we can use to heal deaf people and to give people who have speech impediments back their speech. If he didn't want them to think that it was mar magical hocus-pocus stuff. So he makes sure that everyone knows that Jesus was simply commanding this man's ears and tongue to open up in a language that he would understand as soon as his ears opened up. 
Verse 35 tells us that instantly the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. And I think we all get the picture of how amazing this moment would have been. And to me, the most important word in all of this is instantly. It was a miraculous, instantaneous, immediate change of everything in his life. Everything. Then we read, Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. Well, Tim asked to give you some more Greek, okay? Verse 36 literally is this, and he ordered them that no one should tell, but as much as he ordered them, they more exceedingly proclaimed. Now, the reason we've got to look at that is this, Jesus was ordering or more literally commanding them them, and if you look at the way the passage works, that them is the people that brought Jesus, this man. Here is the important part. Jesus is not telling this man not to tell anyone. No, Mark says twice that he firmly said to the them, that group of people that brought him, to not tell. He's saying something like this, those of you who brought this man to me, keep your mouths shut. You are not to tell anyone what happened. And there are a couple of reasons that I think Jesus did this. First, the way that Jesus went about healing this man by sticking his fingers in his ears and licking his finger and touching his tongue was the same way that lots of healers went about trying to heal people. And the truth is that when Jesus did this, from a distance, as people were watching them off privately, that might have looked like Jesus was doing things that magicians do. And the last thing Jesus wanted people to be telling everybody was that Jesus is a healer just like all the other magicians that we have, and his just happened to work. Jesus didn't want that story spread around, but more importantly, the reason that Jesus told everyone to keep quiet was that Jesus wanted the story of this miraculous healing to be told by the one man who just a minute ago, nobody in the whole world would have paid any attention to. He gets to tell the world what Jesus had done for him. This makes sense to me. You talk about giving this man what he really needed. He needed dignity, dignity. And giving this man the exclusive right to tell his own story on a public platform gave him community-wide dignity. Mark does tell us, though, that this miracle was far too overwhelming for anybody to keep secret. Our Bible says the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. And, and that's really an, un, an understatement. The Greek is more like then they more exceedingly proclaimed as in they shouted out the good news of what had happened. And let me tell you, I understand their shouting. I get it. The passage ends with these words, they were 
completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. And again, let's not forget, as I said earlier, the last time Jesus was with these very people in that part of the world, they were so frightened by him that they begged him to go away. Not that long ago, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and now they can't say enough good things about him. What a remarkable turnaround. Everything was different because of Jesus. So we have to ask the question we've been asking every week, what do we do with this story, and how does it relate to our lives? Well, first off, it further answers the question of the book of Mark, which is, who is this man? We have now learned that Jesus is a man who can heal the deaf, and he can repair the speech of someone with a terrible speech impediment. This alone is amazing. But what Jesus does here goes far beyond just giving this man back his, his hearing and his speech. What this passage shows us, just as we have seen in the other passages in this series, that Jesus knew this man intimately, and he knew exactly what he needed. This man had been about as isolated and marginalized and undignified as a person could be in their world. And Jesus knew, yes, he knew he needed to heal this man, but he also needed to save him from all of the isolation and the marginalization and the lack of dignity. And that is why he did everything that he did. That's why the first thing he did was give this man a clear understanding that he was the center of Jesus' attention. And that's why he let his, this man know through his actions what he was going to do and why he let this man know through his deep sighing. I'm sure he could see Jesus' response or Jesus' action as he, as he was sighing and at least let him know in some way that he knew how much this man had suffered and why after he healed him, Jesus said so strongly, only you get to talk about this. Only you get to use your newfound perfect speech to tell others about your healing. Jesus ordering the crowd to keep quiet may not have had any effect, but Jesus' intentions were clear. The only person with permission to tell the community about any of this, as I said earlier, was the one person that just a few moments ago, his community would not have given him the time of day. Jesus knew him, knew what he needed, and gave him the right to speak as often and as loudly about his moment with Jesus as he wanted, and my bet is that he did it all the time. So once again, we see that Jesus is a man with great power and authority. He is a man who is amazing beyond our ability to imagine. And yet, he's also a man who knows our struggles, our pain, our needs, 
And he has great compassion for us in the midst of all that, and he wants to bring us healing, healing from anything that might keep us in bondage. This passage has a great deal of resonance with me personally. My life has been nothing like this man's life. But, and I rarely speak to this, that I know what it is to have had a time in life when I had difficulty speaking, getting words out of my mouth in a way that could be understood. That's a story for another time. I'm also at an age now, to be truthful, where my hearing is failing. I know what it is to be uncertain that I know what those around me are saying. And I've felt a number of times in the last few years the isolation that comes from being uncertain that you know what's really going on. I'm not telling you this to feel sorry, so you'll feel sorry for me. The speech problem cleared up. I'm fine. And many people my age experience this kind of age-related hearing loss. But as I prepared this sermon, I could not help but identify with this man. in a number of ways. And I found great comfort in the fact that Jesus knew him and gave him not only the healing he needed, but more importantly, the dignity that he deserved. And Jesus wants to give each one of us deliverance from whatever it is that would isolate us and rob us of our dignity and keep us from living into the life that we were created to live. And what this entire series has shown me in spades is that yes, Jesus is a man with great power and authority, someone who can still do the miraculous. And all he wants from us is this. What he wants from you and me is to give him a chance to take us by the hand or take us by the arm and walk us to a private place where he can just look us in the eyes and tell us that he knows us and that he loves us, and he wants to work in ways that shows the world that we are known and loved by Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful that you are a good and gracious God. I am so thankful that you love us that you have been proactively showing us this for a long time. I pray that we will live into your love for us and your knowledge of us, and that we will live in ways that tells the world that you are God who through your Son has made it possible for us not only to live eternity with you, but to live a life of real meaning and dignity in this life. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.